Thanks for being here this morning. I'd add to all of those other greetings that have already been given about Happy Mother's Day. Um, my mother, uh, one of the most influential people in my whole life. And one of the reasons is, is that um, uh, she loved me, but she would speak truth to me, and she prayed often for me. And believe me, I gave her plenty of things to pray about. So I did my part, and she did her part. But uh, I miss her, even to this very day. We continue on this morning with um, our following through the Ten Commandments. I think it's important for us to understand why the Ten Commandments were given to us. This has been addressed, but I want to just reiterate this for a moment here. You know that Abraham was chosen to be the head of a, a nation called Israel, the Jewish people. They had been in Egypt for a period of time, and at first it was good, but then it turned negative for them, and uh, that God had to deliver them. And as while they were in the desert, they realized that they were a nation, and um, not that they had not had instruction in regards to God, of course they had, but in regards to what a theocracy was to be, they didn't have clear direction, and so God was giving the nation of Israel, this instruction for this theocracy. And a theocracy is a nation that recognizes that the head of state or the supreme commander or the ultimate figure in which we focus and look to is God himself. And so he gives then the Jewish people, and consequently us as well, who are his servants, gives to us a clear sense of direction as to how we should conduct ourselves. And we've already heard uh, several messages in regards to that. We've heard the fact that there is but one God, and we should honor him as such. We've heard the fact that there should be no other gods before us. We should not make an image of any kind. The, the amazing thing is, is that when the law was given to the people and the Ten Commandments were given to the people, the people responded immediately, all that you've said we'll do. And then it was only a matter of days before they were violating the first two, making a false image and worshiping that image. You'll realize that Moses came off the mountain then and angry over that, broke the commandments and had to redo those himself. These were written by God. And then last week we learned that this God that is absolutely unique, none like him, he is the only true and supreme God, and we're to make no other images in regards to that, but we're to honor his name. And we learned that last week. I think that's a lesson that we have to keep in practice all the time. There is no way that we should ever speak in terms of God in a diminished way whatsoever. It always should be with honor and respect. Now we come to the fourth commandment. And the fourth commandment has to do with the Sabbath. Now I love the fact of where the fourth commandment comes. It is an opportunity for us, first of all, to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. And I'll read the passage in a moment. But it's an opportunity to uh, say law or stop a moment and reflect. And I believe that he is asking us to reflect upon the first three that are given there 
about who God is and how we should honor him. And then after this one, we go to the horizontal expectations about how we should treat our neighbor, how we should love horizontally in that process. And I just say to you that unless we get the first three and meditate effectively on those, we'll never get the next six right. This is impossible to do so. If we don't have God in perspective and ourselves in perspective, we simply won't honor others. So let me read the passage for you here in Exodus. And uh, I'll... um, Verse 8, already having addressed the first three commandments, we begin reading the Word of God. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your sons or your daughter, your male or your female servant, or your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now we can make some general observation just to begin with, and I'll do that. But I want you to see clearly where we plan to go this morning, because there's a lot of um, questions that are raised about Sabbath and Sabbath rest, and what does that mean, and how do we celebrate that? Should it be on a particular day, and what did Paul mean when he was speaking to the people of Colossae and said that you shouldn't hold any day over another, even in saying the Sabbath, and of course he was talking about the lordship of Christ at that, every day should be a holy day. And and we could go on to say, well, should we actually be celebrating Sabbath day on Saturday? as the Jewish people do? Or has Sunday become the first day of the week and by default, now that's our Sabbath? And I think we can get caught up in not only what day we should be celebrating, but what we should do or not do on that day. There used to be blue laws when I was growing up, and blue laws meant that there were Certain businesses that were not open, you could not do certain things on that day. We had a neighbor that lived right next to us, and she would do all of her baking on Saturday, and then she would keep that next day, as she practiced that as a holy day. They would do nothing. They did feed their chickens, but uh, outside of that, they really didn't do anything. Occasionally, that neighbor would invite me on a hike, and he would talk to me about life and so forth. But they would celebrate that day. So is it a day of what we should not do, as it became for some of the traditions of the Jewish leaders? You cannot do this. You can walk only so many steps. You can only carry so much weight. Even when I was in Israel, we had a Shabbat elevator, and that was one that you didn't have to push the button on on the Sabbath day. It would just stop at every floor. Now, they had a Western one over there too. It would you could push the button where you were going, but you had to stop at every four on this because it was against Sabbath rules to push the button. And so the Sabbath day became rather than a blessing, it really became a burden. And instead of recognizing what they should have been doing, that is who God is and what He's done, 
They were actually celebrating a man focus and what man could do and what he could not do. In their effort to celebrate the Sabbath, they were failing because their preoccupation was upon themselves. So here in just the passage we have here, I want to go and make some general observations. And then I want to try to give you from Old Testament biblical accounts three things that I believe God expects us to do on our day of rest or our Sabbath. And the Sabbath really means you just stop. It's a day in which we don't do what we normally do, but we do something else. Now, some people believe that they're thankful to God because he gives them a day of rest because they're tired. And they believe that the Sabbath day is a day in which they can rest to get ready for next week so they could be more productive. I don't believe those are true. I believe that he gives us the Sabbath for a far greater reason than that. But there is a lot of preoccupation when he talks about work six days and then rest on the seventh. There's a lot of preoccupation with uh, trying to learn how to rest. We're wearing ourselves out trying to rest. There's now a new uh, piece of equipment that is out there. It's in uh, JFK Airport. It's in... um, Atlanta Airport and Dallas-Fort Worth Airport. And it's a pod that you can get in, and it's a power nap that you can take. And in this, this pod, it looks they different shapes, but the one that I looked at is shaped like a huge clam. And you crawl inside this. It's temperature-controlled. It is light and dark-controlled. It has a rhythmic motion to it soothing, and it also has a a heat in there. And you can take a 20-minute nap, and they call it a power nap, so that you can be more productive. So did God give us the Sabbath so that we could rest to become more productive? By the way, if you're interested in one of those machines, and I see a lot of mothers out there writing that down, what is that called, and how can I get one of those, you know? Well, there are they're about eight to $13,000, and you can get one. Look it up. It's called Metro Nap. I'm not trying to sell them. I get no commission on that. It's just, it's just an, uh, the thought. I mean, what we do, some, actually sometimes when we think that we're going to take a day of rest, we actually have to go to back to work to rest up from our rest because we're so busy trying to figure out how to rest. I'm so thankful that God gives us instruction on that, and we'll look at these three things that I believe that he wants us to do on that very day. But first of all, let's just make some general observations about the passage before we go to other passages here. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Whenever he asks us to remember something, it is an active thing that we're to do. It is to draw to mind something, and as a result of that, to do something. Now, to remember the Sabbath means that this is not new information to them. How can you remember something you haven't been exposed to? So they do remember, and it says, remember the Sabbath. That's the first thing, the primary thing, and keep it holy. That's simply all he's asking us to do. Keep it separated from all other days. Do something unique on this day that you do not do any other day. Now, you may do those things on the other day, but specifically do certain things on this day. 
to keep it holy. And holy simply means to separate it, to sanctify it, to make it special, unlike others. Now he goes on to tell us how we go about doing that. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day, now notice, of the Lord your God. This is not about you. It's not about your rest. It's not about you personally getting physically and emotionally and mentally rejuvenated. This is a day about God. He says that, of the Lord your God, another general observation. He goes on to say, do all your work, and says, do not let any of the people work, and so forth. He gives instruction on that. And then he gives us an illustration that is the foundation for this in verse 11. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. He's the one that separated it and made it special. But he also says that he blessed that day. So the Sabbath day is not to be a time of great burden for you. But in reality, it is supposed to be a time of great blessing for you. We need to see how that blessing comes about. Jesus, and I'm going to do that at the very closing because there's some accusations made about Jesus and the Sabbath, him violating the Sabbath. But in one of those contexts there in Mark chapter 2, he makes this clear statement. The Sabbath was made for man. Now, man wasn't made for the Sabbath. In other words, the Sabbath is a gift to man from God to be used unto God for a blessing and for the recognition of who God is. It is not a burden. It is a blessing in the process there. So those are just general observations that we make in regards to the passage. Now, he does then refer to, and I'm going to look at three accounts that are given to us in the Scripture, which I believe will give us clear instruction on what we should be doing on that day. In this context, he talks about creation. So let's turn to that verse back in Genesis chapter 2. This is what he's talking about in the first few verses that are there. Genesis chapter 2, verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed and all their hosts. But the seventh day God completed his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. Now, some might want to ask, Why did he rest? Did he get tired during that time of creation? Uh, Was he getting ready to rest up after that seventh day to do more? Was he taking just a mini vacation because he needed a break? And why did he rest? Now, the reason he rested is because he could say something about himself that We can't say about ourselves. In regards to creation, he was done. His work was done. He created exactly what he wanted to do. And we know even when he was creating, he would stop every once in a while and say, this is really good. It was a point in which God said, I'm finished. I did this. 
So if this is a model that he quotes from in Deuteronomy, in, uh, in Exodus there, giving the Ten Commandments, what is he saying to us? Is our work done? <laughs> Wouldn't you like a day like that where there is no longer any demand on you? No child asking for dinner. No, uh, no boss asking for more work. No more books to read. No more studies to do. You're, you're done. Everything is done. Well, I don't know about you, but my life doesn't operate that way. I don't ever think that it ever has. And if you're married, you know that a honeydew list will ensure that that does not take place. I'm sorry, ladies. <laughs> but on the other hand, I think that's the only way that sometimes you get things done. But... What does it mean? If, if God rested from all that he did, I believe it means exactly that. He was done and completed with his creation. So what does that mean to me then? This means simply this. I'm also part of his creation. And I should rest in the fact that he has made me just the way I am. I should, re, I should draw my focus upon God. Now, now, here's the tragedy of mankind. Mankind is busy trying to make themselves. I've got I've to have the, the right education. Now, I'm not discouraging education. I'm not discouraging uh, hard work. I'm not discouraging careers. But I think that many times we're trying to establish a name for ourselves so that we can become someone. And what God is trying to say to us in this, I believe, is rather than trying to create yourself to become something, what you really need to do on the Sabbath is take some time out and figure out how God has made you, how he's created you, so that you can fall in complete alignment with what God has for your life. I mean, I've told you my story in terms of that. Here I was uh, in college, and um, I meet this guy from Michigan, and he's my roommate, and I'm filling out some of the papers for my schoolwork there, and it says, hey, you got to declare what you want to be. Oh, wow. I hadn't thought of that. I said, hey, Brian, i got to declare who I want to be. He said, well, I'm a business major. You ought to be a business major. Because it's a good, it's a good school here. A lot of, a lot of companies come here and hire the personnel. You ought to be a business major. Good enough for me. Write it down. I didn't ask the creator God why he created me and for what purpose. And I believe that we are. When I look at Psalm 139 and it says that I am shaped in my mother's womb, I'm fashioned by God and I believe I'm created by God on purpose for purpose. And on the Sabbath rest, I should be ascertaining from God, my creator, what he has in mind for me. What is it that he wants me to do? Now, God did get my attention and draw me to the position in which I was humbled. And I reached up to God and I said, oh, God, I'm so sorry. How arrogant of me to suggest that I know anything. Why this is the second part of the creation, not only recognizing that he's created you, but on this day you are to rest. That reflects a dependency upon God that in creating me for what he has, 
that I can trust him in that. Don't you find a lot of people that are dissatisfied with who they are? And they're always trying to go through some kind of improvement and some kind of new means to discover. I remember that whole time in my lifetime was this whole thing of self-discovery. I don't think it's a new thing. It was just kind of a new product that was out there. Figure out who you are. Find out. And, and people were using the expression, I'm just trying to find myself. I liked what one person said, you know, I can help you. Here's where you are, and here's where you need to be. And the sooner you can get there, the better it'll be. But I think I need to go to God. Say, God, I want you to know something. On this day, I'm going to stop and pause and reflect that you have finished your creation in me. Now, I'll talk a moment about recreation. But you've made me. I I didn't ask for the color of eyes that I, I got. I didn't ask for the size that I'm going to be. I didn't really ask for some of the temperament that I have within me. There were some things that my folks recognized very young in my life. And they began to celebrate those things, and those were characteristics that God had placed in there. As parents, he instructs us, train up a child in the way he should go. The bent in which he should, and he'll not depart. That doesn't mean that if we do our right job training our children, they'll come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That means that God has given to every one of our children a bent, a, 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 a design, a, 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 a way to go. Haven't you, haven't you seen that? I, I watch some people that are they're just designed to play sports, and they do it effortlessly. They've got that hand-eye coordination. I said, where did that come from? Some kids have it, and some kids don't. It's just a gift. Some people have organizational skills, and others have mess-up skills, and they, and they both go to well together. And some people have uh, uh, insight, and some people have... That's, that's the way God has made you. And here's what happens to us. Not only do we try to change ourselves... But if significant people then suggest to us they don't like who we are, then we try to change. A man wrote a book one time. His name was Powell, and the book was entitled, Why Am I Afraid to Tell You Who I Am? And his neighbor didn't realize he was telling him that that was the title of a book that he was writing. He was, the neighbor thought he was asking, why am I afraid to tell you, are you, are you, the man was, are, are you asking me why am I afraid to tell you who I am? And the neighbor finally looked at him, now realizing, he said, the reason I'm afraid to tell you who I am is because you may not like it, and it's all I have to offer. I am all I have to offer. Can you not see the rest that comes to our lives in the sense of recognizing that a loving God has deliberately, not accidentally, but has deliberately, on purpose, designed you for purpose. There's no greater delight. I tell you, to become a pastor was not on my list of things to do in my life. It was not there. But that's exactly 
what God created me to be. And people ask, you know, how did you get to do this? And how do I tell you the skill set? Yes, have I refined them as best to my knowledge? Have I, have I tried to educate myself as best I could? But I want to tell you, my ability to pastor is a gift from God. It's not the genius of Mike Jones. It's a gift from God. He designed me for this. And, and, and what I love is, is that I love to watch you who God has designed to be managers. You're just gifted at that. God has designed you to, you who are teachers that can't help but teach, even when you're not in a classroom, that's a gift from God. He's designed you to be that. And I think a lot of dissatisfaction in life is born of the fact that we're doing things we were never designed to do because we've never taken a Sabbath rest to say, oh God, why am I here? And what is it? And most people are trying to just get to retirement so they can be done with this miserable life they've had so they can do what they want to do. Hmm. So God says, I've given you a gift. And the gift is, would you just settle down and look to me and trust me and listen to me on this day? There are too many voices out there that are trying to capture your attention. Listen to me. And take delight in the way I've made you. In my life, I've had people talk about the size of my hands. I have small hands, and I have small feet. And they say, my goodness, you've got small hands and small feet. I said, hey, I just want you to know, if you don't like it, talk to the designer. So what do I do? You know, I just don't like the length of my fingers. I just accept the fact and they've been doing okay, even with my abuse of them at times. Their hand and my feet, they're doing okay. That's just the way I am. That's the way he made me. My heart, my mind. Hmm. Understand that? See, what I, see why it's a blessing? The Sabbath is a blessing to you? And I want to tell you something. The reason we do it every seventh day is because during the course of the week, so many other people have tried to tell you what you ought to be that you've forgotten what God said you are designed to be. So every day you go, this is it, right, God? This is it? And you think that's a mistake because God went to the Father and said, now, wait a minute, I came here for this purpose. And you listen to the garden of Gethsemane. Is there another way? No, this is the purpose. This is why you came. This is what you're doing. Was it a perspective adjustment? I believe it was. And if God was going through that, Jesus Christ was going through that, be assured you'll have that time as well. All right? Maybe you've never used your Sabbath that way. I encourage you to do it. All right? Let's look at another definition that he gives to us. And that is in Exodus chapter 31. Again, these are directly in relationship to the Sabbath. The Sabbath is used here. In Exodus 31, we read several verses here, the sign of the Sabbath. Are you with me here? Verse 12, the sign of the Sabbath, Exodus 31. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, but as for you, speak to the sons of Israel saying, you shall surely observe my Sabbaths. 
For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Just skip on down to verse 16. So the sons of Israel shall observe the Sabbath to celebrate the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. God instituted for the Jewish people a way to celebrate the Sabbath to clearly state they belong to God. Now, there are two signs of the covenant relationship. You understand God had a covenant relationship with God. We also have in the new covenant a covenant relationship with God. We'll get to that in a moment. That a covenant relationship with God, one of those signs was for the male figures to be circumcised. And that was a very private way to observe that you were a Jew for a male. But now he's telling us, and this one is addressed even more often than circumcision, and that is a Sabbath celebration. And the Sabbath celebration, again, was about God. It was not about themselves. Now, notice in the first one about the Creator God. He created you, so therefore we ought to talk to God and celebrate God, our Creator. It is a focus on God. And now he has chosen us to be identified with him, and it is all about God and what he has done for us. It's not what you do or don't do. It is a complete dependency and trust on the fact that God has chosen you. Isn't that fun? You see, and it's not you on the Sabbath trying to make yourself more presentable to God. No flesh will ever glory in his presence. The Sabbath is a day in which you realize that God deeply loves you and has chosen you to be identified with him. Isn't that something? That we can reflect that we're not our own. We can reflect that we are God's children. So every time they celebrated the Sabbath, the Jewish people, they were declaring to everyone who observed that they had a unique relationship with the God of the universe. Every time they knew that, they expected the Jews to celebrate the Sabbath. God also expected them to do that. Well, it's kind of interesting when we look to the New Testament in 2 Peter, which we're going through on Wednesday morning, but turn there with me in 2 Peter, and I want to read just uh, in 2 Peter chapter 1, and I ask this question. The first one was, do you know what you are? This question is, do you know who you are? Listen to this right here. Verse 2, grace of chapter 1, 2 Peter Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence, who called us chosen. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature. <laughs> well, Paul says it another way. I'm going to continue on here, so just hold your 
place right there. Paul says it another way in Romans chapter 8. He says that we, that the, the desire of God is that we would be conformed to the likeness of his son. They celebrated the Sabbath to say that they had a unique relationship with God. We celebrate the Sabbath by defining that we have a unique relationship with God by the transformation of our character into the likeness of God. You see that? So the Sabbath day ought to be spent on, Lord, I'm yours. How much of me looks like you? You say, do you have a part in that? Look at this. Now, I'm going to read that verse again because, I, first of all, I loved it. I will say it again because it has impact. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, truths that cannot be denied and will never be altered. So that by them, by these truths, you may become partakers of the divine. You may become, this is a progressive thing, the recognition that we are of his nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I am constantly being brought to the awareness that the purpose of the Sabbath is an evaluation of am I looking more like God today? He goes on to explain this in verse 5. Now for this very reason also. What very reason? The fact that by his divine power he has called me. The fact that he has given me everything pertaining to life and godliness. By the promises he's given to me, I have the power now to become like his divine nature. Now for this very reason, those reasons that I shared also apply all diligence in your faith, supplying more excellence and in moral excellence knowledge and in your knowledge self-control and in your self-control perseverance and in your perseverance godliness and in your godliness brotherly kindness and in your brotherly kindness love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, all the more dil- be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and his choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied for you you. The Sabbath day is an opportunity to look to God in dependency upon him for what he has done for you to allow you to define that you belong to God by the transformation of your character that is revealed and observed by all. So what do you do on the Sabbath? It's a time which you set aside. You stop all other activities and you say, God, You called me, you chose me, I'm yours. And you defined by your power how I can be different. And so God, I want want to know today how that's impacting me. I want to know how I'm, am I changing? Am I, is the old flesh being cut away? Do do, do I have the fruit of the spirit flowing out of me? Is, Is there love and joy and peace is there, is there a sense of deep satisfaction in who you are? And is there a longing to be more like you? Oh, to be like thee. Oh, to be like blessed Redeemer. 
That's what our desire is. That's how you celebrate the Sabbath. By being like Him. Loving like Him. Being merciful like Him. It's not what you don't do, it's what you do do. And it's what you do because you have been transformed and calling. <laughs> I don't know about you, but that's where I just say amen. Amen. Think what God has done for us. And he said, now remember this day because it is a blessing to you. It's not a burden. It's a blessing to you because you get to recognize afresh who I am and what I've done for you. Well, so do you know who you are? Who do you identify with? What are you becoming? How are you being transformed? I like what one man prayed. Lord, I know I'm not all I could be or should be, but oh God, I thank you I'm not what I used to be. Amen. God's changing us. Conform to his image. I wish we could go into 2 Corinthians where it talks about in chapter 3 about the veil. And the veil is that veil of self-adequacy that I can do it myself. And until the veil is ripped away, there is no reaching in of God to begin the transformation. But all who have unveiled faces are being transformed into the likeness of His glory. That's a fact. But the veil that has to be torn away is you making yourself a name. You going to the right school. You having the right kids. You having the right... No, 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 no. Your identity is only found in the stability of God's choosing and calling of you and the transforming power of God and His Word to make you like Him. Because really, that's all the world needs around you. They don't need anything you've got and you made for yourself. No flesh will ever boast in His presence. Well, let's go to the last one. If you look with me to Deuteronomy, and Deuteronomy is the second giving of the law. That's what it really means. And if you go with me to chapter 5, for again, he addresses the Sabbath here. Verse 12 to 15. Observe the Sabbath, Deuteronomy 5, 12. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your sons or your daughters or your male servants, your female servants or your ox or your donkey or any other cattle or your sojourners who stays with you so that you may, your male servants and your female servants may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave. Now he's adding to that. He's adding to what, otherwise this is the same as Exodus, but now he's adding. You will remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt And the Lord your God brought you out of there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arms. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to observe the Sabbath. Why do we observe the Sabbath? Because of the redemptive power of God in our lives, that He saves us. For the Jewish people, they were enslaved to Egypt. For us, as we see the parallel there, we're enslaved to sin. 
God has, in his grace and mercy, delivered us from sin. The Sabbath day is a day in which we celebrate God's deliverance. We celebrate God. It is a declaration to God that we are totally dependent upon him in his grace and mercy to save us. I give you one New Testament passage, and then we wrap this up with one other thought. says, Dad, what does it mean when the pastor says he's going to wrap it up? Nothing. (laughs) Listen carefully. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, Not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things that are strong. And the base things of the world and the despised God has chosen the things that are not so that he may nullify the things that are so that no man may boast before God. But by his doing... You are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, so just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. What is the Sabbath day about? It's about boasting about what God has done and our total dependency upon him in that. How do, we, how do we celebrate the Sabbath? It's not what you do or don't do. It's really what you do do in this. And that is this. He created you for purpose. Discover that with total dependency upon him and exercise obedience to him on that. He has also uh, made, chosen you to be like him. Our identity is with him. And that's the way people know that we are unique and special. And he's redeemed you. You could not save yourself. For by grace you're saved through faith, that not of yourself. It's a gift of God. Not as a result of works. But God did it. God did it. Now I want to answer another question simply because some of you will ask, why didn't I address this? So I'll do it very quickly. Why is it that the religious leaders accused Jesus of violating the Sabbath? And they did. That was one of the primary reasons they wanted to, that were using to justify his crucifixion. Jesus did seven miracles on the Sabbath day. Those miracles that he did are he healed Simon Peter's mother-in-law who had a fever. He healed a man with a withered hand. He, Jesus heals a man who was born blind. He heals a crippled woman. Jesus heals a man from dropsy or uh, fluids that were accumulating. Jesus drives out an evil spirit. And seventh, Jesus heals a man by the pool of Bethsaida. I want you to note something. I believe that Jesus did not violate the Sabbath. In fact, I believe that he celebrated the Sabbath the same way he's asking us to do that. Did he violate the traditions? 
of the Jewish leaders? Without question. Did he violate the Sabbath? No. Why do I say that? Because what he did was on the recognition of the uniqueness of God, and he did it to those who were totally dependent upon him to have any transformation in his life. I think not only did he not violate the Sabbath, but he taught us clearly how we ought to be celebrating the Sabbath. We ought to be doing those things that clearly reflect that there is a God, and this God cares deeply about you, and he can make a difference in your life. Amen. So, if you believe the Sabbath is something you've got to do, you've got a burden. But if you believe the Sabbath is recognition of what God has done, you've got a blessing. You've got a blessing. And he blessed that day, and it blesses me to this day as well. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. So many times when I was preparing this message, Lord, the song, how can I say thanks? <laughs> the things you've done for me, sing so undeserved that you give to prove your love for me. The voices of a million angels cannot express my gratitude, Lord. All that I am and all that I hope to be, I owe it all to you. To God be the glory. Great things he has done. Amen.